Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Portable Church Industries over at PortableChurch.com. If you're going to plan a church, you're going to make sure you want to take care of your volunteers and make sure you do it right. All that packing and unpacking, it's a pain in the butt. These guys make the pain in the butt go away. No, they're not a pain reliever. It's PortableChurch.com. <laughs> wait, wait, what was that? PortableChurch.com, you say? <laughs> Check him out because we got bored of our old commercials, so we just make this stuff. See, up we, we got to go. do to Portable Church what we did to Mo Give. We just got to like roll with it every week. Hey, I don't think I'm picking you up on O R T A B L E. I don't think I'm same. I don't think I'm picking you up on the good mic. What? Hello. Tap into it. Go. Yeah, no, I'm not picking up that mic. What? Okay, hold on. Hold on. We're going to do something about that because that's not right. Sound input. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh, there we go. Is it better? Ooh, velvety. It's like when you're watching Wizard of Oz and she's black and white and suddenly it's in color. There's munchkins and rainbows and lollipops. I tell you, I don't know what that was. the little people in that movie scared the bejeebies out of me. Oh, you know the, the urban legend about the guy hanging himself in the background right up in the rafters? And so did those monkeys. Flying monkeys? Oh, Are you dude, kidding flying me? Flying monkeys will come out of my butt. Isn't that what uh, Mike Myers used to say? I don't know. I didn't listen so to it. He said monkeys will fly out of my butt. That was Wayne's World. That was like his favorite saying. And monkeys will fly out of my butt. That was like the best saying ever. You know, which I've not figured out yet how to marry that phrase to anything related to ministry. 
but I'll find a way. Oh, yes, I will find a way. Another copious reference. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, they were terrifying. I, I could not endure that scene. There were two scenes in that movie that freaked the crowd out of me, besides flying monkeys. Munchkins I loved, for obvious reasons. Did you? But, yeah, I loved them. I still love them. Um, but uh, there are uh, all these weird things, but that, that scene where the witch pops up on top of the log cabin at the beginning, that scene, when they're in the apple orchard, or right next to the apple orchard, and she appears, it's like she appears midway through the through the field, or through the movie film. I don't I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. And then she appears on top of that log cabin. That's when she lights the scarecrow on fire. Remember? I, that scene terrified me. I don't know. I never liked that it's movie. The, it's the angle at which it's filmed. She's creepy as heck looking during that scene. I don't know. So yeah. the you other know that night, Munchkin hanging himself though, right? The other night, I don't, I'm I'm moving past your stupid story. So the other night. <laughs> you can see it in the film. It's in the background. Okay. A little person That's great. on the set. I don't care. So There's also flamingos in the in the cornfield. People miss that, too. And Dorothy's hair length changes throughout the film. There's a lot of cool trivia about that film. You're out of the your movie. mind, dude. You're seriously out of your mind. I thought you were the film major. Who to know all cares this? about that movie? It was horrible. They had singing. Singing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I give you this. Most musicals are absolute cack. Like, would not watch a musical. I just saw somebody online go, I watch La La Land for the third time. I almost shut that thing off. I've Internet never seen it. it Don't plan on watching it. Dude, you're smart. You know, it won it won all these Oscars, and I know by now, if it's winning Oscars, it's probably crap nowadays. Used to be like in the old days, like you'd have like The Unforgiven. That would win an Oscar. You know, like good movies. Remember those days? Now no. it's like movies suck, and they win. And you can, you can just, I remember I watched that one about the boy growing up. I think it was called Boy or something stupid like that. It was something stupid like that. It was the worst movie I had seen that entire year, and I got film of the year. So I now have no faith in the Academy Awards. Now it took you this long to have no faith? Well, remember, I lived outside the country. I, I, I couldn't even see. Like, when you live in another country, uh, America is so pretty much sucked up into itself that we think that's like a world event when we have the Oscars. The rest of the world didn't care. No, they don't even I don't think it. it's a world event. I don't, I've never watched it. I've never Americans understood think the that. Super Bowl is the biggest thing on the planet. Look, here's the, the reason the majority of the world doesn't pay any attention. Here's to the reason why I've never cared ever about the Oscars. Here's the industry. Um, we're going to vote amongst ourselves on what's the best movie and give ourselves an award. And you guys are going to give us accolades. It is such a rigged game because what's the, the the least valued award in the movie industry? The least valued? Probably the, uh, I, don't, I don't know, man, like animation or something? No, 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 yeah. no. I don't mean like in the Oscars. I mean the least valued award. I have no idea. The People's Choice Award. Oh, is it really? No one cares about the People's Choice. They so don't care what we think. That that's like, oh, you won a People's Choice Award. Who gives a rip? 
All we care about is what we think of ourselves, and we tell everyone, okay, this is how you know what's good. I mean, you're talking about an industry that's got such like deep-seated issues that oh, look yeah. at all the awards they give themselves. And the one that should matter, what the people actually think, is the least valuable award. Right. Oh, man. I, you know, it, it was like when I, when I walked into the Disneyland store, which you know, happened this week. My daughter wanted one of those little violet action figures. Dude, like, there's no violet. There's mom, there's dad incredible. You can occasionally find something about the baby and the two-pack. But it's that weird, like, there was a whole wall of that weird little chick who represents the industry in Hollywood, as far as I'm, that weird little chick with the black hair and glasses. She's like the fashion designer in the movie. Oh, gives right, her new right, costumes. Right. Yeah. There's like a whole wall to her. And I'm thinking... What executive decided, you know what kids want? That figure. You know what kids want? Is shirts with that creepy little critter on it. Because as far as I'm concerned, and, and she babysits the kids in the movie. And you're like, okay, this is really weird. With all the kids getting abused in Hollywood by these kind of people. Yeah, I'm not feeling this right now, Incredibles. <laughs> this is not incredible at all. Oh, Unless man. in the context of that old show back in the seventies <laughs> and eighties, that's incredible. <laughs> so uh, Tuesday, I went to dinner solo because the family was at Disneyland, and as we all know, Petey don't go to Disneyland. What day was this? Tuesday. Uh, you would have seen me. Where? At Disneyland. I, I almost Disneyland. invited you, and I was like, "Nah." I wasn't that's at a, that's Disneyland. That's a test of true friendship. Right I wasn't there. at Disneyland, and I don't have an annual pass anymore, so I get to use that as my excuse. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, Luke. I can't go. Course. My pass is expired, <laughs> and I refuse to renew it. You're an evil man, as as evidenced by your meme that you had our employee build today. Which... So I went to uh, Outback for dinner. And I'm sitting there at the bar because that's what I do. I just go to the bar, order food my food. Is crap there. How can you eat there? How do you no. endorse them? No, I love Outback. I bought you a dinner there once, and I was like, this place sucks. But anyways, go. Yeah, you and I are like night and day. I love Outback. No, we both like islands. We both know it's like the stupidest, crappiest restaurant ever, but it's good food. It's okay food. I don't think it's good food. Their hamburgers are good, dude. Those ah, are really, they're really good hamburgers. I got to tell the story, so let me finish. I'm I'm tangent boy today. There is no one else at the bar except for this one couple right at the end, right? So I'm sitting at the middle of a of a you know a row aside, and they're at the corner, and and I can't help but hear them talk because they're not that far. And I kid you not, this is the conversation that's going on. Yeah, uh, I don't think uh, John McCain really had a brain tumor. In fact, I don't even think he really died. I think that's just all the the stuff that they're putting out there. And I'm like, no way. I'm hearing that, and I'm thinking to myself, so you're the ones. <laughs> it, exactly, and this is the reason the founding fathers established the electoral college. Oh yes, exactly. But but I'm sitting there thinking, okay, um, I don't think you really understand people. Everyone in politics, 100% of them, are such narcissists. They could never exit the public life voluntarily. Yeah. Because they all got to be the center of attention. So then, then 
the conversation goes on further. And I'm hearing bits and pieces of it. And I'm trying not to crank my head every time I hear them say something and look at them like, are you serious? Did that just come out of your mouth? Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Then she gets on Michael Jackson. Oh, no. And how Michael Jackson really looks like Janet Jackson and how he always had to wear these masks every time he went out in public and how she really didn't think Michael Jackson had died either and that he wasn't real. Like, it was really Janet Jackson who was faking and she just got tired of having two lives. And You're kidding me. No! No! This is the conversation going on. These people are voting and reproducing. Well, this was the woman. The man, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if they were together. I mean, they were obviously together at the place, but I couldn't tell if they were together together. And... And, but he's not like objecting to anything. And then he throws in, and this is when I was like, oh no. Now I know why I'm here and I need to hurry up and leave before God smites me. Because <laughs> then the conversation went to, yeah, well, that's why I got problems with the Bible too. And then they started going off on things in the Bible that were just misunderstandings. Like they didn't understand what they were talking about. And, you know, how could God like, uh, you know, one sacrifice from one son and not from the other. This is, it's, it's just a power play to get two brothers to not like each other. And, and I was like, Oh, so I could actually interject here and get involved in this conversation. But we all know Petey doesn't really talk to people. Yes, <laughs> so you do. I don't. I'm surprised. I'm, I don't. And I, I hey, was like, Oh, wow. You could have so easily interjected. Like hey, I could have. You know, I could have. Oh, like, you had all the ammunition. You could have been like, hey, you guys have been overhearing your conversation, and uh, you know that the moon is really a space station inhabited by uh, reptilians. Yeah, and then when it got on the conversation of the Bible, how good would my... Uh, my, my... Well, you would have come back to that. You would have first earned their trust. Or maybe I could have earned the trust out. with the flat earth. <laughs> that Steve-O guy, he's crazy. He went up in a jet. He was... You know, lack of oxygen to his brain when he saw the curve. Hey, um, you know, uh, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. I'm Peyton Jones, and this is Pete Mitchell, which we never introduced. If you're new here thinking, why am I here? Why am I staying on? Surely they're going to talk about church planning in about 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> welcome to Smack Talk. This is what we do. We talk real life. If you find it offensive and boring, um, you're either British or... You're, sorry, I didn't mean to alienate all of our British. It, you're, you're English. Um, the Celts dig Scottish, Welsh, Irish. You guys are totally down with this. Uh, you're working class. The rest of you, though, you're mad. So uh, <laughs> that was so wrong. On so many levels. On so many levels. And uh, But anyway, welcome. Welcome. And uh, because if you don't like Smack Talk... You're probably not going to like church planning because you're going to be like sit next to people like Pete described in an islands and uh, or or out back. And uh, apparently that's a more expensive restaurant, Pete. I'm surprised that people with like you know, a little more money are, you know, that unintelligent. I, I, I don't if you think outback is expensive, I think you. Well, there's like Denny's. There's there's islands, Denny's, you know, there's kind of like they're all in the same. And then like Outback is a little bit. It's just it's like a Chili's, but it's a little bit. It's it's a little more. It's not like a Chili's. They have never gone baby back, baby back, baby back rib. (laughs) 
They're little. They're a little bit pricier though than uh, islands. I was talking to this one uh, church planner this week, and he said to me, "I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis." <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to learn how to get run over by Alexis, head on over to BibleInnerCircle.com, where we'll teach you how to make your money the old-fashioned way, bivocationally. <laughs> I, I was like, where is he going with make your money the old-fashioned way? <laughs> Rob a bank? Uh, print your own? Do like Paul do. Make your money working with <laughs> I actually like that. I was like, do like Paul do. I was like, well, that sounds pretty good. Where, where are we going with this? Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm not okay this week. I'm going to be honest. I am rough. I am rough, rough, rough. And uh, I'm not going to complain about it because it's like, you know, suck it up and uh, hang in there, kitty. Which Pete gave me a prophetic mean today um, with my face on the cat's head. It was, if you know, Pete and I have a running joke with uh, the hang in there, kitty. We shoot it to each other. And uh, whenever man, we can I tell the other is under stress, we send a, a little hang in there, kitty. And I got a special hang in there, kitty, today. And I got tagged on Facebook with multiple. The teeth was a masterstroke. <laughs> it really was, right? <laughs> so we got this you assistant. Gave me teeth on that one. We got this assistant, Ben's. He's been with us for like four years. And, uh, and he emails me yesterday and he goes, Hey, I don't have any work today. So I just sit here and, and, until you give me work. And I'm like, Oh, I have something really important I need you to do. And I sent him, I sent him the hang in there, kitty poster pictures. And I'm like, put Peyton's face on these. He's the one who came up with the teeth. Whenever you need him to waste time, you hit me and I will give him tons of crap to do. No, no no one likes your stuff, though. That doesn't matter. (laughs) Ben's likes everything I throw at him. Ben's is like, rock on, sir. This is the best, sir. He's like, he's like, job security, sir. (laughs) <laughs> I'm still working, sir. I like that. What I love is when I send him stuff, he goes, Sir Pete, uh, Sir Peyton has sent me this. I don't understand. There's almost everything I send him I know is going to be sent to you. So he's like, please explain this. And you're like, I have no idea what he's sending you. I, yeah. I'm like, how did he even get your email? What's going on? I don't let him talk to you. So uh, what else is going on for you? Oh, dude, I, I'm like. Mr. Part-Time Contractor right now. It's, uh, I mean, everything from HVAC to digging trenches Do in the front yard. Do you feel especially manly building your own house? No. No, I feel, I feel, you know, here's, here's the bad thing is on that strength finder thing, I'm a learner. So that means I kind of get off on learning new things and kind of, living vicariously in other people's trades and fields. So I don't need that kind of interest right now. I'm already kind of spread myself out too thin. So now it's like, hey, you know what I'll do? I'll I'll build my own house as well, which sucks. So when I can right now, I'm having to put my kitchen together. Um, I'm learning everything, man, about everything. Um, I'm arguing with tradesmen, which uh, once you start paying attention, you know what's what. You start figuring out where they're lying to you, and that gets mm. real fun. So I've been tangling with with one of my tradesmen that I'm stuck with because um, he had work done under the bogus. Uh, um, let's just leave it there, shall we? And uh, and I have to pick up with him, and uh, so it's it's not been fun, you yeah. know, tangling with people. So, but it, it's what you do. That's why my house is almost about ready to fall down on top of me. 
It's because I just don't want to deal with those people. Thing is, is I took one of those strength. I had to do one of. It wasn't strength finders. It's called the predictive index, and I had to do it for work. And uh, it it actually says in my thing, when you stand in his way, he'll get aggressive and angry. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't put that one. It's it says resourceful, resourcefully works through or around anything blocking completion and what he wants to accomplish. Aggressive when challenged. <laughs> it's like, wait, you know. Well, the thing is, is this week I had a, uh, I had one of the contractors slap me with with a, a change order, and I said I don't want to pay that. What's a change like, order? A change order is when you have a contract and something deviates from the norm, and they slap you with more more charges on it. Like, oh, I'll do that, but it's got to be. And when you're dealing with something like electricians or plumbers, they give their warranty if they do all the work, right? So a lot of times they'll kind of blackmail you or strong arm you into doing everything. Well, I, I said, hey, I don't want to pay that. I'm not paying that. I can't. I can't. I can't incur that cost. Well, you got to do it. And it's, it's reasonable. I said, no, I've looked it up. It's not reasonable. And, um, so finally I, I just got mad. I went to the store. I bought the wire myself and I pulled it through. I don't have a crawl space. So I had to take out all the can lights and run this from the outside box through all the way to the, where the cooktops would be cutting into the drywall, drilling through studs, running that stuff like, like an electrician. And on Monday, I, I just said, Hey man, no need for you to come and do that. I did it. <laughs> it's like just saved myself 600 bucks, you know, and, you know, and the, and, and the guy was mad. But I, the thing is, I say this in church zero to ching. Anger is a great motivator. And I, I just got angry. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, so there were other things in my in my uh, in my test that what what's funny, I'll, I'll read you some of it. I put it on Facebook because I thought it was funny because I'm like, I don't well, want to work with that you guy. You need to tell him what test you're talking about. It's called the predictive index, my good fellow. Okay. I did say that. Sounds already. like a made-up hey, test. Listen to me. Sounds like a made-up test. <laughs> what's that from? Life. I've heard that line in a movie. It sounds like a made-up test. It, it does sound like a made-up test. Um, apparently, you have to be like, like qualified to interpret it. So yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's and nuts. I bet you they sell that certification. Oh, uh, if you'd like to yeah, absolutely. And if you guys want to learn how to interpret this test, go to bibleinnercircle.com. <laughs> so uh, here's what it says: Peyton will strongly express the following behaviors: risk taking, daring, and focus on future goals. He's more concerned with where he's going than either how he'll get there or where he's been. Adaptable, operates flexibly. I mean, there were all these things at the end of it. You're like, you need to be an apostolic church planner. But my self-assessment of myself is on the other end of the scale. So my self-concept on this is super low. Like, I don't think I'm that dude. It's kind of funny. I'm in the negative on that. But I'm way over at the end of the scale on the positive on that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Cool. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, man, that was that was my week. I don't I don't have a lot to to tell you unless you want to learn about you know different. What is today's topic? Trade. I don't even know what today's topic is. <laughs> well, Pete, I'm glad you should ask such a thing. Today's topic is how to discern a calling um, on your life for major change. So, for example, like I I got an, an email earlier in the week that was like, Hey, Peyton. Um, here's my circumstance. I planted a church. We moved our family. We did this. We did that. Um, 
they were in the middle of uh, adopting, and they were like, hey, you know, like, we kind of need to move uh, for this, um, yada, 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 and we're feeling released from our call here. But the question was really, and I, I find this a lot with leaders, the question is, how do I know it's me, and how do I know it's God? And so we've talked about different aspects of calling before, but I think today I want to talk about discerning the calling, discerning when it is a call and when it's a desire. Should we just go ahead and jump right in? That's up to you. I don't know that I have anything else to say other than as soon as we start, I'm sure I'm going to come up with a great story that I got to tell you. (laughs) That's pretty much our MO. (laughs) That really is. uh, Well, hit the Doc Brown button, and that'll get your juices flowing. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. It's that that combo move, isn't it? It really is. The one-two. It's like, I got to hit the comma, and then as soon as Doc's done, I got to hit the M, and that's playing the the sounds. Oh, is that how you got it? You got it hot-wired? I got a soundboard. So, like, if I want Nigel, it's, it's I. It's Pete Mitchell. This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. Hey, all I got to say is when it comes time for Peyton to deal with contractors, this is what he has to say. Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best, shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Um, This is funny. I mean, I'm getting older and, you know, I think when you when you've been older, you you realize in life it really doesn't pay to tangle with people. Um, This is this is how I feel. This is my attitude through this. I'm going to tangle with you. Um, When I say I tangle with you, it's more of them getting all bent out of shape. With me, I just stay calm. I stay professional. And my attitude is kind of like it's my house. And you don't have to like this. I ain't count on your warranty anyways, because I don't like your work. But I'm stuck with you. So my my attitude in this has not been um I need to tangle with you and, and get into a fight. I think nowadays I just when you get older you get a little wiser with conflict. That would be a great topic. Conflict and conflict management. I don't think most church planners deal with conflict though in their church plan. You know, it's funny you say that because I think if you do it right in the beginning and you, you put the right stops and breaks on your church plant in the beginning, in other words, you, you put the gate to come in in place, you have less of a problem with the, the gate out, you know what I'm saying, with everyone freaking out and leaving. You, you make it a little tougher to get in. You, you make that buy-in thing a big deal at the beginning. And then you're still going to have it. You'll always have But you learn to manage it. And I think what a lot of church planners do is they um, they take people that have massive agendas. And then the conflict happens when they're uh, – what they're what, what the reason they're trying to plant the church, which hopefully is to reach lost people, doesn't line up with the self-focused agenda that other people come in with. Well, I, I need to do this or we need to do it. We need to make this church like this. I think that's where a lot of the conflict happens. But if you're if you're wise about who you're recruiting, which I think Paul became wise when he dealt with John Mark, I think he he kind of was a little more hardcore after that. I think he made it tougher to go with him in future. 
Oh, you, you want to come, John Mark, because you're Barnabas' uh, nephew? Oh, hey, no problem. Come along. And I think after that, he was like, uh, that's not enough for me anymore. It's got to be more. Blood, sweat, and tears. you got to be ready for it. And you got to know it's going to suck, and you got to endure hardship. you got to be tough to come with me. That's my thought. Cool. I have others. Probably. Knowing you, I'm amazed <laughs> we can shut you up half the time. <laughs> that is a problem, isn't and it? And I do remember before we got on the podcast, you said, you know, I don't even think John McCain's really dead. I, I think he made that whole thing up. <laughs> I, you know, it's right up there with my theory that I got from Bubba Hotep about JFK being relocated uh, as an African-American man with a bag of sand implanted in the back of his skull. Yeah. You've seen Bubba Hotep, right? No, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Halloween's coming up. Everybody go rent Bubba Hotep. First of all, who rents movies? Although although I I saw it on TV, I can't be... If there's naughty things in there, I can't be responsible. Yeah. So, anyway, back to our originally planned topic. See? See? It's what we do. We we do. We were off to a good start. So, we got time now to really hit a topic. So, let's hit it. So how do you know when it's God telling you to do something and it's yourself? So let's say it could be everything from planning a church. It could be everything to moving to a new city. It could be, I planted a church. How do I know when it's time to plan out again? Or how do I know when it's time to hand off the church? How do I know when it's time to send out others? And these are all things that are super important, and you need to be able to understand the dynamics that happen uh, when you're trying to discern the call of God. Now, there are plenty of things. Let's start from the outset and acknowledge that there are plenty of things you do not need a call, a special call for. And I think sometimes Christians get a little bit overly mystical about these things. Like, for example, should we adopt children? Do you want to? Well, we feel we should. There's so many. No, 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 no. Back up. You want to. When, uh, sometimes, you know, no, 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 look, I don't think you need a call from God to adopt children. If you want to adopt children, adopt children. If you don't want to adopt children, please don't adopt children. That would be bad for them. So, you know, there's, there's many things in life, you know, where I think God gives you strong callings. And the best way I can do this today is kind of start off, just lay down that framework that there are a lot of things that we say God should call us to when they're not things God should call us to, where I think God gives us a lot of freedom to make a lot of decisions. And you'll find people say, yeah, but I don't want to make a wrong decision. There is nothing in the Bible that is going to prevent you from making bad decisions. I don't care how tightly you're walking with God. You'll make less as you're walking in the Spirit, for sure. But I believe that sometimes we're allowed to make decisions that were wrong so that we learn. So I don't think we have any guarantee in our life of not making bad decisions. I recently made a terrible decision. I had my antenna out, I was being careful, and I made a bad decision. And I was praying about it. So let's just... I really can't wait to find out what that decision was, because I noticed how you... (laughs) strategically avoided saying what it was. And now I'm just as curious as can be. I can't talk about it here. Hang in only, there, kitty. Only because Hang it in has there, to kitty. Do with my house. 
Hang in there, kitty. Hang in there, kitty, because all these things can become legal issues. Yeah. And so, you know, I have to be super careful. But here's the deal. Um, You know, you're never, you know, but everything can be a learning experience. And I think that, that a lot of us buy this prayer of Jabez nonsense that that's the formula for life. Oh, avoid all suffering. And who wouldn't want that? But you know what? Jabez is one little teeny character who gets one sentence in the Bible, and the rest of the guys that walk tight with God, were their lives were fraught with suffering. And I've been tapping in recently to a guy named well, Jordan Peterson. it's because they didn't read the book. Well, here's the thing. I've been tapping into a guy named Jordan Peterson recently. Oh, no. Who is, Not another Jordan Peterson guy. Oh, he's, he's awesome. I'm loving it because I'm watching him debate all these atheists. Because you know, it's not. As, I thought he not was as, an atheist. No, he's a total Christian. Are you sure? Jordan Peterson is an absolute Christian. Really? Okay. Yeah. And what he does is he he he's been debating atheists. He debated Sam Harris. Um, he debated some British chick in the in the in the in the Dawkins fraternal. Um, can't remember her name, but uh, he he literally is dismantling these guys, and he's telling them things like, "Hey, if you want to." Uh, uh, you know, take on Christianity, you know, it's cool if you want to, you know, exit your lane and get in our lane. But he said, but here's the problem. He goes, it's not your field of expertise and you're setting up straw men when you're attacking the fundamentalists. And all of you do this. He goes, if you want to tangle with Christianity and enter the fray and really have an intelligent deal with the heavyweights, take on the heavyweights, take on Dostoevsky, take on Leo Tolstoy. Take on C.S. Lewis. Take these guys on. Deal with their arguments. Because these were intellectual Christians that gave these these are heavyweights. So you you, you need to you need to stop playing in the whitewater and go into the depths. And he just watching this guy massively dismantle like Sam Harris. It it's amazing. You're watching this debate going, where's this going? Where's this going? And then you just watch him he takes the linchpin out and the whole thing falls apart. And the way you know that he's got these guys, they just start talking a bunch. You know, like just they can see they're losing it. And it is entertaining. It's edifying and it's intellectually stimulating. It's amazing stuff. So I'm, I'm geeking out on that. But one of the things that, that Jordan Peterson really um, kind of makes his uh, one of his bugbears is the pursuit of happiness. And we, we know this as Christians. The pursuit of happiness is not a worthy goal. And he goes into the biblical stories and he says, God has never in the Bible promised you happiness. And he has never in the Bible told you. Now, joy is a different thing. Joy is that in the middle of suffering and pain, you develop character, right? So the developing of your character leads to joy. That's why uh, James says, rejoice when you fall into various trials. For the testing of your faith produces perseverance, perseverance, hope or a character and character hope. And that doesn't disappoint. Everything else in life is going to disappoint, but these things don't. So when we're talking about how to discern the word, the will of God in your life and calling, um, it's important to know that that does not mean that God is going to steer you clear of pain and suffering. Um, ministry is going to be filled with pain and suffering. You don't join the Navy SEALs and expect not to get wet. You don't join the special forces 
and expect that you're not going to sweat and your muscles are going to collapse under the weight and strain of what you have to do. You don't join ministry, right? I feel like this is like a, a you know, a, a Jim Croce song. You don't spit into the wind. You don't step on Superman's cake and you don't mess around with Jim. You know, you don't go into ministry if you're not ready to suffer. Suffering is the bedfellow of ministry. And Paul actually tells Timothy, all who wish to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You are going to be open to it. It is going to hurt Timothy. And Paul would know. And so would Jesus. So here's the deal. How do I discern the call? So, Pete, you're going to have to interject because we're going to have a little story time with Peyton. So I, I will expect you to, to, to feed in, but you will have to interrupt me. Okay. Uh, here's my first interruption. I got my first pair of Converse yesterday that I, I, I've had since I was, like, in seventh grade. Did you really? I did. Chuck Taylor's, baby. I Which got ones? some Chucks. Thunder, were they the Thundercats ones? No, but that would have been cool. I was joking with my wife because Luke just got some, and I'm like, oh, you got to get me a pair, and then you got to get a pair, and then Mackenzie's got to get a pair, and we'll be twinsies. So I'm waiting. So the Thundercats one was cool, and I would rock him, but I'm waiting for He-Man. If I see He-Man Chuck Taylors, they're going on my feet. Nice. They're just going on. It's like happy feet. I dig um, it. He-Man, and I'm trying to think of what the other ones. Star Wars I've seen. Those are cool. Batman, I've seen. Those are cool. But uh, it's got to be He-Man, and there's one other one, and I can't remember what it is um, that I will have if I see them. Um, shoot. It's eluding me. But this is off topic. Curse you, Pete Mitchell. So, uh, anyways, um, let's see. Hang in there, Kitty. Hang in there. Where were we? Discerning the call guy. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So, okay. So, way, 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 way back. Come with me way back into the land of, I don't know. So when I started, here, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to tell a few different stories, and it's it's going to kind of illustrate when I think you get calls and when you don't. Like, we see calls in the Bible to special activities right away with ministry. I don't think you have to be called to be in ministry. If, you, if you're going to be an elder, Paul never says, find the guys that are called, Timothy. He says, find guys able to teach, men of character, love their wives, and, uh, you know, observe them, and then appoint them, right? He doesn't say, go ask him, are you called, right? That's not in there. Two places that you got to be called in ministry. Two, two places in the Bible we see. Called to leave your net. We're called to plant churches. Boom. Called to be an apostle. That, that's a calling. It involves a lot of moving around. It involves a lot of frontline ministry. And you have to be called to that. To be a prophet, I think you got to be gifted for it. right? To be an evangelist, I think you have to be gifted. Um, to be a shepherd, I think you have to be gifted. But the apostolic calling is a calling. right? That one is frontline pioneer. You have to be called out to do it. You're called a sent one. So you're called, and if you're called out to that, um, the sent part means you have a destination. God has somewhere he wants you to go. And we see that all throughout Scripture. Way back in the beginning, we see God calling Abraham and telling him, go here, 
do this. Wait for me. I will meet you there. And it takes Abraham like 14 years to obey that call. And when he does, God meets him. So we have this like 14-year gap for Abraham where nothing really happens because he didn't obey that call. And so I think we're called to go certain places for ministry, frontline or apostolic ministry. And I think we're called to leave our nets full time. Um, and those are special calls. Not every Christian gets those calls. Um, so, uh, gosh, um, so, so let's get that aside. Um, not all ministry requires a special calling. And by the way, anything God tells you to do in the Bible does not require a special calling. It requires normal obedience. So you got to do that. But um, for me, I'll just kind of tell you what happened. I'm going to go through a little bit of my journey quickly. This is a whistle-stop tour of how I got called. Um, the first calling I ever got was, surprise! You know, like, I'm going to call you. And you have nothing to say about this. Um, it's in the future. It's kind of like, you know, Merlin coming to Arthur saying, he who draws the sword from the stone, he should be king. That was a quote from uh, Excalibur. Weird movie, but good. Good job. Um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, basically, someone in, in an afterglow, when I was very young, I was like a year old in the Lord, someone, this lady from our church, because in the early days, man, I remember it, it hadn't been that long since the Jesus movement. In 1987, you're talking like 10 years after, like, the afterburn of revival had hit. So, um, this lady laid hands on me and she was crying and she just said, Peyton, oh my gosh, Peyton, God has anointed you and you are going to bring thousands of people to him. And she's like, I don't think you realize, like I was this punk kid, you know, listen to punk music, had hair down on my butt, you know, wearing Doc Martens everywhere, flannels wrapped around my waist, you know, um, total dirt bag, you know, the, the whole thing and was not the guy. In fact, the way that I got into ministry, I didn't have a calling. I mean, I, I camped out on that a little bit. And uh, at the end of that retreat, it was funny because my youth pastor came to me and said, hey, you know, um, God told me that you're going to take my place one day. And I need to disciple you for leadership. Okay. And so here I am. I'm, I'm a bystander. No, God's not talking to me. Right? Like, people are talking to me. People are telling me this. This is coming from the outside. That's what's known as the outward call. It's where other people recognize the calling on your life rather than you. So there's the outward call and the inward call. Um, the inward call didn't come from me till later. So as I, as I preached, in fact, that weekend is funny because these are all connected. That was the first time I ever preached. And the, the Holy Spirit just anointed what I had to say. It was like a bomb went off. Right. It was on a retreat. They asked me to teach a, a little Bible study at one point during it. Boom. You know, I think it was Friday night. Holy Spirit, big time. And, you know, it, I had just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know we've talked about that. Um, I was by myself, um, stayed up one night very late, just praying and crying and repenting and bam, you know. And so there was a power and it. And it was beyond what I naturally possess. But I, I think people began to recognize that. And I do believe that those are both, both of those people receive prophetic words. And uh, yeah, I'm one of those crazy people that actually believes it. Um, in fact, on that very retreat, someone got healed supernaturally. Hmm. And I, I was not from a charismatic Pentecostal church. I mean, this was a word based 
church, but the Holy Spirit was flowing. And um, so it, it wasn't right away that I began to receive the call. But from then on, when this guy was discipling me, every time I tried to teach or preach, I stunk. Mm. I mean, it was the worst. And I remember the youth pastor came back to me and he said, hey, Peyton, um, it's probably about a year and a half, two years later, he goes, hey, uh, Peyton, I, I think I might have misheard the Lord um, back then. You know, because every time, like I remember one time being done preaching, I thought I was doing awesome. <laughs> Afterwards, he chews me out. And he was a good dude. He loved me to death. So I trusted it. But he chewed me out and he's like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? I can't believe you said this and you said that. And when he started telling me, I was like, oh, okay. Like I had way overstepped my, 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 you know, the line. I, had, I mean, it was an embarrassment quite frankly. And um, so anyways, to, to go into all that, he questioned that calling later. And I questioned that calling. I actually told him, hey, I think you're right. I don't think I am the guy to take your place. But, you know, thanks for thanks for at least pouring into me a bit. And, you know, it was cool. And it, it, it you know, we remained very tight and close friends. But his wife got really sick when I was 19 and a freshman in college. And um, I did take his place as a youth pastor. And, and that prophecy became fulfilled. And I was going to nursing school, thought I would just do ministry as an RN, ministering to AIDS patients, figured I want to go after, you know, people that were treated like lepers in the church. And, um, and so it was really funny because here I am in nursing school. I'm teaching this youth group and I'm learning fast, man, to, to be a, um, uh, a, a, a preacher, I guess, and a minister. I'd been discipled in that, but again, I had failed. And so now I'm like having to preach regularly every week, which by the way is a game changer. If you want to develop a gift, you need to do that. And so uh, it, I'm going to make this story really short, but I remember feeling I have to go to Wales. There was a compulsion on me. I didn't feel God told me to. I didn't feel that, you know, like I didn't hear a voice, I didn't have a dream, I didn't I just felt this pull. And I want to just say sometimes when God's moving in your life, you get a compulsion, a very strong compulsion. You don't hear God's voice. God doesn't say, "Pete, I want you to hire Wayne." But you feel compelled to hire Wayne. Pete, God doesn't say, "Pete, I want you to go work in prison ministry," but you feel compelled to go do stuff like that. And, and God's in it. But you don't need him to appear and, you know, on the road or speak out of the mouth of your donkey. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes you do. Sometimes you need people to tell you. In fact, prophets, by the way, prophets aren't always a good thing. I know there's a ministry of prophecy in the Bible, and they're meant to be encouraging. In fact, that's what Acts says all the time. They encourage, encourage, encourage. But in the Old Testament context, often prophecy was a negative thing. Right, It would have a positive end, but usually it was to confront you when you just weren't listening. And so prophecy can sometimes, you know, you can get that corrective rebuke where somebody says, hey, you go in the wrong direction and you need to pay attention, stupid. And and it has that, that benefit. But, you know, for the most part, you might have a compulsion and you might not hear the voice of God. 
And God is leading you by that overwhelming desire that you can't explain. And I think why people get confused on this is that they're waiting for God to confirm it. Well, this is why I fell back earlier on, do you want to adopt children? Do you want to move to Texas and plant a church? If you don't want to, and you haven't heard the voice of God, then why would you think you're called there? Right? Um, the compulsion is important. You need to have that. There's only sometimes where God says, hey, <laughs> I'm going to lead you a place you don't want to go. And normally, when God does that, he tells you because there is not a desire to go there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Jesus told Peter, one day men will bound you and lead you to a place you don't want to go. So he tells him, you're going to be led there. And you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to have any compulsion. But then we have Paul, on the other hand, who he's compelled. He says, but I must go here, right? Uh, he gets a Macedonian call. He's heading on his way one direction, and then he gets a call. Come to me. He has a prophetic dream. It interrupts his plans. So God will interrupt you if he wants you to go somewhere, and you go in the wrong direction. But notice that Paul wasn't like, God, where do you want me to go? Paul, I want you to go back. No, Paul had plans. He had he had desires. He had things even that he felt he needed to do. So when he goes back on his missionary journey, it doesn't say that God told him. In the very beginning, on his first missionary journey, he has a prophetic word that says, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've uh, prepared for them or called them to. And then they get sent out. They, the prophets lay hands on them, and they send them out of Antioch. And thus begins Paul's first. So there was a prophetic word. There was an outward call. There was a laying on of hands. And Paul, you can see, Paul wants to do this. There's that compulsion. But then later, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the cities that we first did and, and strengthen those churches. I always like to point out that was a bad thing. Um, when he says strengthen uh, what is weak, he had written Galatians, like he meant in the sense that some of them are heretical. Let's go back and strengthen them. Um, it wasn't just, hey, let's go give him a shot in the arm. It was, hey, we did a bad job. We made a mess of our church planning endeavors, first missionary journey. We got to go fix this. There wasn't a Paul. There wasn't a compulsion. There was a, there was a need. And Paul obeyed the need. And he got out there and he did what was needed. And on his way... As he's on that journey, God meets him and says, the man from Macedonia. And notice, every time God leads Paul, it's different. Sometimes he gets a voice telling him of his calling, like like the Damascus Road. Other times, circumstances prevent him. We attempted to come to you, but a door was shut. That's circumstances. Um, All of these things tie into the will of God. And so... I can't give you a cut-and-dry answer, but what I can say is pay attention to the narrative of Acts. Listen to Paul's language. Listen to what he's saying. At times there's a compulsion, for I must preach the gospel. Woe unto me. You know, I, I have to be in Jerusalem by the Passover. There's these compulsions. And, of course, Paul got a, a prophecy about going to Jerusalem, that he would go there and be bound. He didn't want that, but he felt that compulsion. I have to go there. I have to get there by Passover. And of course, you know what happens? He gets chained and uh, set in prison as a result. But he had to do it. So you'll see this combination of circumstances, compulsions, 
prophetic words and then the inward call where you just know you have to do like you feel God's telling you and it would be disobedient not to. And so there's all four of these different dynamics. I remember the inward call came to me because when when I was outwardly asked to be um, the, the next youth pastor, it was funny, I was asked to come on staff. So I, I was temporarily filling in the gap for the high school pastor. But then one day my college pastor came to me and said, hey, Peyton, how's, how's the college group going? Well, we had a leader who was, you know, really, there's no other way to say it. He was very abusive to the college group. And he and I had been tangling because I was supposed to be his assistant and I kept confronting him. And he was, he was like an executive. He was, you know, um, you know, millionaire. He was, you know, he was about 40 years my senior and, uh, 50 years maybe, or sorry, 30 years maybe. Um, and it was very difficult. And I don't think I handled this, but I would confront him and say, Hey, what you're doing is wrong. And you need to stop doing that. You're, you're beating the, the sheet, man. You need to knock it off. And he'd be like, how long have you, you know, like he, he would start picking me apart. And I remember the, the pastor said, how are things going? And I had just prayed like the day before and said, Lord, if you want me, I'm not going to say anything against this guy. But if you want me to say anything, you're going to have to ask pastor so-and-so to talk to me because I don't feel right about going behind this guy's back, even though what he's doing is wrong. And uh, the next day, pastor asked me at church, hey, how are things going? I said, it's funny you should ask. I just prayed that if I was supposed to talk to you, you would come talk to me. And so I told him everything. And he said, I already knew that because he's been blowing up at people in the elders meetings and he's causing all kinds of problems with the adults. I figured it was the same in the college group. And he said, Peyton, we're going to remove him. How'd you like to take his place? And I go, I'm already doing the high school group. And he goes, I know. But he said, I, I need you to, to fill in for me. So, again, it was always holding the door for someone else. Circumstances. Still at this point, I don't receive the inward call. So I say to, uh, to, to my pastor, I said, you know, can, I, uh, can, I, can you give me a, a month and I'll pray about it and seek the Lord? And he goes, I'll give you a week, <laughs> which was kind of typical him. And uh, Pete, you would have loved this guy. And he's like, no, nah, I'll give you a week. You know, nothing was mystical to him, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was wise. Like, he was wise. He was like, seek God faster, you know. And so, I, and within a week, I was like, Lord, this is a total step of faith. I still don't think I have the inward call, but I've prayed about it. I've laid it before you. I think it's, you know, at every turn, I was 19 leading a high school group. You know, I'm, the, I'm in college leading a college group. I, I wasn't ready. And even that did something for me at a young age. It showed me you're not any better than anyone you ever lead, which was kind of, I think the major lesson that I was supposed to get back then. You're, you don't get to be the big shot. You're going to be my servant. You're going to be humble. You're going to always feel out of your depth. You're going to never feel like you got it all together in this, and you're never going to feel like you're the right guy. And that's where I want you, you know, and that's, that's been super valuable to me. Over the years, you know, even this podcast, like I walked into this podcast today because of all the rough stuff I'm going through and how just driving from my house to my office, I think I wanted to kill every single person on the road. And there was there was some yelling in my car for sure. That's the way I feel every day. (laughs) Well, so I get to my and I'm like, yeah, I'm so not the guy, you know, to 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 be doing any of this, you know, because 
I just want to kill everybody. Now, disclaimer, I don't want to kill anyone. Please don't send the CIA to my house. I have no firearms. CIA has uh, no uh, jurisdiction in the U.S. Well, it, it, it it's funny. Okay, Secret Service, sorry. Uh, but FBI. <laughs> yeah, so don't send any anyone, the FBI, whatever you want to talk about. ATFE. Whoever they are. Alcohol, tobacco, the, firearms. Hey, I don't Explosives. care. That, that, California State Licensing Board. I don't know. (laughs) It's because of all that alcohol you've been pouring for your neighbors in your garage. Here, have a beer. That has not been happening at all. I can't drink, so you, neighbor, have to drink all my beer. (laughs) That was gone a long time ago. So here's here's the deal, though. I'm, I'm at a place in those times where I'm still obeying circumstantially. And so... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a need. Then one day when I'm in college, I'm reading a book by Lloyd Jones on Romans, right? Cause as you do in college, read them cover to cover. And I'm sitting on a bench and I'm waiting for, to finish a class for nursing. And out of the blue, God speaks to me because I turn to the last page and he goes, Hey, if you want to go to theolo- London Theological Seminary. And God just told me, you're going to be where Lloyd Jones was, um, soon. I was like, oh, like clear as day. I told mm-hmm. Andrea, I said, I had the weirdest experience. I'm sitting on this bench in my community college. I'm reading Lloyd-Jones. I looked at the back page, and God says, you're going to be where he was soon. Now, I- I'm looking at a page on London Theological. I had no idea I was going to be in Wales at his church. I thought maybe I was going to Westminster. I was going to London. So here's the deal. When I finally decided to go to Wales, because remember, I've been there already, and I never went to Lloyd-Jones' church when I visited, when I was 19, back back when I first became the youth pastor. I, I spent six weeks just cycling through, and that was because it was my ancestry. I'm a Jones. So I go, um, you know, uh, I end up going to, to Wales, but here's the weird thing. I had no connection with Lloyd-Jones' church other than one of my mentors had been the pastor there previously, and I had kind of formed a relationship with him um, for a couple years. And two months, or was it two months or two weeks? I can't remember what it was. Prior to me moving there, I mean, all my stuff was in a container on the high seas. I got a phone call from a friend who said, hey, I've been in touch with your mentor, Peter, mutual friend. And he said, uh, they're looking for an evangelist at Lloyd-Jones' church. And your name came up in the conversation and I told him he's moving here. And he said, I would be very interested in chatting with him. So all these things like things out of my control. And even then I remember I spent a sleepless night praying all night because at that point I was, I was going to be going to seminary. I, my plan was to go there and go to seminary. I'd been reading the back of the book. It said you could go to seminary. I was going to go to seminary. I was moving to Wales to do the, the seminary that Lloyd-Jones had set up. had no idea I was going to end up. So that night I had to make a decision. Do I want to be the evangelist or do I want to go to seminary? And I chose to be the evangelist. I felt that night, again, praying. I didn't hear God say, Peyton, this is what you're supposed to do. But I felt a compulsion to serve as the evangelist instead of, and sometimes for me that's what prayer is, it's it's weighing through. It's waiting on God. But he may not give you a verbal. He may just give you a compulsion. Or he may say, as I found before I planted Starbucks, I, I'll never forget. And this, this is where you start getting into the deep stuff. 
I'll never forget getting kicked in the teeth by one of the churches I pastored in Wales. And again, God's not going to save you from pain. But I remember afterwards, I was wounded, deeply, deeply wounded, and I quit ministry. And I remember saying to Andrew, you know, up to this point, I've always had God tell me what to do. There's a whole other story about how my church got called Pillar because God wasn't talking to me. And Andrea said something profound, and I, I, I knew what she was saying was right. She said, I think at this point, God has released us to do what we want. See, always before, God had been like, Peyton, you know, like when I started getting my inward call, like to go to Wales um, or to be at Lloyd-Jones' church and stuff like this, I started getting inward calls. Like, this is my calling. I know I'm called to do this. Like, I knew I was called to go to Wales. That's another story I can't share. But when it came time for me to consider being the pastor at Refuge. Um, By the way, I think you did share it last week. I did share it. The well, alarm. Okay, so, okay, okay. So when I got that calling. I was re-listening to that podcast. It's so funny. I just showed up at his door. And she said, would you like some tea? And I said, yes. And it became a thing. You can't do another Pete and Jones. You can't just invite people in. I'm a byword in the Mike Peters household. Yes, but, you know, it, it's funny because I was like, hey, I, you know, uh, at this point, God's saying, what will bring you joy right now? Just, you know, do what you want. And that's where I realized, like, I don't want to be employed in full-time ministry at that point. That's where I was. But I remember going... But God, I still got a heart for lost people. And that's never going to go away. I'm always going to care about the people around me. I want to kill them sometimes. And then other times I want to save them. Maybe I want to save them and then kill them. Or can't work the other way. But <laughs> you get my point. It it basically was well, Catholicism, there was this freedom. And guys, I think it's like that. It's sometimes like if you've ever been to Autopia at Disneyland, that ride where you know, those cars are on a track. God has a track, but there's a lot of play in the wheels. I'll watch my little girl, and she'll be in that little car, and she'll be staring all over, and we're going, ka-dunk, 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 on that rail nonstop. It hurts. When I do it with my five-year-old, it's it's painful because she's just, and people are slamming us from the back because we're not going as fast because we're hitting the side rail all the time, and I've got to work the accelerator you know, but even that, like, you can't go too fast because it, it makes hitting that, that rail even tougher. If you don't know, it's a car on a rail and you get, you get room to play. So it feels like you're driving, but you can't go off the rail. I think our lives to a certain degree are like that when we're walking with God. We Why didn't you Christ. just start this whole talk with that? Cause then we wouldn't have had to do this for the last half hour. Like, I understand it now. <laughs> like, that was all you needed to do. It's called a strategic narrative. And it nails the point you've been making. That's how I train people. You could have just started with it. That's all I'm saying. You often do start with a strategic narrative. And sometimes you end with one. So, um, Because I guarantee you, no one will remember almost anything I said, but they'll remember the picture I gave them. Yeah. And that's, that's it's probably because I've let Luke drive. And Luke goes, wham, 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 wham. <laughs> so I know hitting that center rail really good. That's right. That's right. Hey, that picture with the lightsaber going in his head, I'm not so sure about that. Oh, that was a great one. The, the look on his face, like, I'm scared to be standing in front of Kylo Ren. It looks like Kylo stabbing him in the head. Just saying. Yeah. When you put not so sure, I, I didn't know if you meant his expression or actually the picture itself. Ah. Guys, that is my piece towards war. Which also is a quote from uh, Excalibur, if you've heard me say that and you don't know where it came from. 
There it is. King Arthur. I'm in a King Arthur kick right now. So I can't help it. But let's say I've been called, but I don't feel like I've been called to do payroll and workman's comp and IRS compliance. What what would you say to that? You know, I'd say there are people that have been called, Pete, to do just that sort of work. In fact, they get up in the morning and they think, how can I do someone's books for them? How can I keep someone IRS compliant? How can I do payroll for somebody? How can I be someone's virtual assistant? How does a guy like me find someone like that? Oh, glad you asked. You don't even know. We need to wait from a lightning bolt from heaven for this one, Pete. All you need to do is open up your web browser and type in simplifychurch.com. What was that? Simplifychurch.com. Simplifychurch.com? I can't make it any simpler for you, Pete. Just go to simplifychurch.com. You know, simplifychurch.com ought to get uh, Shaquille O'Neal to do their commercials. He seems to be doing everybody's commercials right now. I think he ran out of his basketball money. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it depends on which universe you're in. If you're you, in the universe, you really got to go to the bathroom. Was the genie, you really got to go to the Sinbad bathroom doing don't all you? the commercials. And if it's, if it's universe where Shaq was the genie in the movie, then it's that. You, it's the Mandela effect. You, you really got to go to the bathroom, don't you? <laughs> you see me bouncing. Dude, you are hopping always, all over. Always always at the end of a call, I'm bouncing. Just so you guys all know. It's like you have I'm this, like, like looking at him going, oh, man, he's about ready to explode right so, there in his office. I have a little bladder. But here's the deal. My my buddy calls me baby bladder. You know, everywhere we go, Bo, you've met Bo. He's like, you got to go again, baby bladder. So, here, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Um when I pull into my driveway, do you do this? Like my my brain goes, time to pee. No. And oh, dude, my bladder's like, whoa, no, <laughs> it's bad. So I'm like trying to get in the door, man. It's like this cycle, and I'm like, I, I talk to my brain. I'm like, why do you do this to me? You've like, you you could just wait like a couple. You could trigger this alarm like a couple minutes after we're in the door. You don't gotta do this when I pull into the driveway. That's how it works. I'm going to take you to the podcast. Same, same alarm. I would just like to say that my favorite place to go to the bathroom is my backyard. (laughs) (laughs) If you understand where Pete works, Pete has an extension off the back of his house with the door to the backyard. He has to walk all the way around like three rooms to get to the bathroom. Uh, Four. You have to go down the hallway. Yeah. That's a long way. I can just open the door and step outside. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Hey, it smells a bit outside your office, though. I will say that. I'm just saying, if my dog can do it, why can't I? How did this podcast go down so very quickly? <laughs> it started there. It went up a little bit. And it was now we're back it in. was Autopia. You brought me back in with Autopia. <laughs> well, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. We would apologize for it, but we're in too deep. Thanks for joining us today, where we remind you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Could you, like, shut up and give us the money? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.